This is for Report 64 on agencies. Let's open up by talking about why this report matters. Agencies can help entrepreneurs earn income faster than other business models with less risk. You may also run into valuable problems that you can solve at scale with SaaS or another business model. In addition to that, some agency owners take equity in client projects. This gets you away from trading money from time and now you have some equity upside as well. So what's the problem? Companies have short-term needs. They may lack internal skills. They need to scale fast or fill fractional roles such as a CFO or a CTO. And agencies help with those needs where it doesn't make sense for companies to hire large teams and manage those internally. You can check out the report for examples of no-code agencies, marketing agencies, storytelling agencies, agencies on operations, web flow, branding, WordPress, technical writing, and much more. The first prediction is that more agency owners will go from services to SaaS. You can see this with Builder, Memberspace, MailChimp, Basecamp, and many more. All of these were agencies before they found valuable problems that can be solved at scale. Platforms will also do much more to attract agencies to their ecosystems. You see this with the Shopify Plus Partners Program, certification programs from AWS, and affiliate programs from companies like QuickBooks and ConvertKit, where agencies that are building on top of ConvertKit, such as NurtureKit from Jason Resnick, or QuickBooks, any accounting firm, they have an added incentive of working with these platforms and getting their clients onto the platforms using their affiliate codes and they get recurring commissions. So even though they're trading money for time, they can get some recurring revenue as if they were a SaaS. Agencies will also become more interdependent. There are agencies like Zenpilot, which helps other agencies out with their operations. There are also agencies like 8020 who work with fractional CFO firms because they don't have the need or the bandwidth for a full-time CFO. And a lot of agencies are using the reseller model where they're outsourcing a lot of their offerings to other agencies instead of hiring to fulfill those roles internally. Global wages will also normalize where we talked about this first in the remote work report. There are companies like Facebook, which have location adjusted wages. There are also companies like Gumroad, which offer equal pay for equal work. And this latter scenario is more attractive to evenly distributed talent. A lot of agencies are currently using labor arbitrage, but this will become a less feasible option. And like all arbitrages, it will fade in time. We'll also see more lead ads where we're familiar with display ads where you may see a banner for a brand and you click on that banner to visit the website. There are also lead ads on sites like Facebook, Product Hunt, and LinkedIn where they have a lot of our data and they can pre-fill that information. Take Product Hunt, for example, where they're pre-filling email addresses for their sponsors. So instead of entering your information, which they already have, you can simply opt in in one click. A lot of online conferences also have the opportunity to take advantage of this where they have attendee data and they can make it easier for attendees to opt into offers. They can also help sponsors get more leads. The first opportunity is to show your work. A portfolio lowers doubt around whether you can do the job and it simply becomes a question of fit of whether this client wants to work with you. A lot of designers on Dribbble have amassed hundreds of thousands of followers simply by posting their work. You could also look at building reusable systems and assets where agencies are able to sell on value provided, even though they may become more efficient in how they're doing this job internally over time. There's Jeff Lerner who's earning over $100,000 per month by running the same playbook for local personal injury attorneys. 
You could also look at finding valuable problems to solve with high leverage business models, where Moz was an SEO agency before they became a SaaS, Spiffy was once a marketing agency, Builder emerged from a development agency, Drac was cloning websites before he started selling courses, Everything Marketplaces, a community, came from a development agency. IDEO ended up launching a fund, but they're still a design agency. Procreate, an iPad app, was a digital agency before that, and now they're at $30 million ARR. Limlist emerged from a lead generation agency, and now they're doing over a million dollars in ARR. You could also look at using inbound marketing to build your top of funnel. Shane Young has over 100,000 YouTube subscribers and he guides them to Power Apps 911. There's Brent Weaver who gets five to 15 qualified leads from each talk that he gives. Dan from Trapital has a free newsletter, but he also consults on the side and that's just top of funnel for him. The better top of funnel that you have, the more picky you can be about who you decide to work with. Another opportunity is to build a value ladder where you have a do-it-yourself offer, a done-with-you offer, and a done-for-you offer where Flavio, which is an example that we use in the report, he has a blog which is free, books which are inexpensive, courses which are slightly more expensive, and boot camps which are at the top of his value ladder. Prospects will trust you a lot more if they've made lower value transactions with you before and you've delivered on those promises. Books and courses also have zero marginal costs compared to services with high marginal costs. You could also look at building a productized service with higher margins. And this is allowing you to transition from an agency to a higher leverage business model. Some agencies use a hybrid model where they mix bespoke services with standardized services and they start to weave in some recurring revenue. You could also use tools to find leads. So if you have a WordPress agency, you can use a tool like Built With to scrape the web and find WordPress sites. You could use a tool like Lighthouse from Google to identify those sites with performance issues. And then using a company like Whois or Rocket Reach to get the emails for the companies behind those websites. And you can either send a personalized offer to them or build your own lead generation or data as a service company to sell those leads to other agencies. You could also look at building on an ecosystem where F and Suite builds on Webflow, the Taproom builds on top of Shopify, optimization builds on top of Notion. And when you piggyback on these platforms, you're able to grow with them. And in this case, since you can't continually onboard clients, you can become more picky about who you work with as the demand for services on this platform grows. You can also look at doing spec work. I talked to Matt from 8020 and he told the story of when he got to work with Chance the Rapper, where he sent Chance some free Snapchat filters and then Chance's team flew him out to do more work for them. And this is a situation where the best case scenario is that you get to build your portfolio and work with your dream client. Worst case scenario, you get to build your portfolio. It's a no-lose proposition. You could also look at leveraging other agencies where you either become a reseller or you offer white label services to other agencies. And this allows you to scale up your offers without hiring more people. We also talk about selling into paid communities where you join a community, you answer questions, you ask questions, you signal that you're an authority and paid communities have less noise compared to open communities like Twitter and LinkedIn. Some trade associations even sell direct access to their member list with data such as emails, addresses and other things. On to key lessons where the first key lesson is that agencies have less risk and reward than SaaS companies. They also have higher customer concentration. So you're more dependent on fewer clients. So you feel churn much more in an agency compared to a SaaS or some other business model. 
They also have higher marginal costs, and that's why agencies are harder to scale than SaaS and other business models. They also generally have lower margins, but it's a good place to start. You could also find valuable problems to solve with scalable business models. We could look at some common paths to agency ownership, where one is that you worked in an agency before, or you're an expert employee, or perhaps you worked for a platform like Webflow before spinning out and starting a Webflow agency, or you outsourced from day one. There are people who ran copywriting agencies for years and never wrote a line of copy because they always participated in this reseller or arbitrage model. We can also look at the high lifetime value of clients for agencies, and this allows them to do sales that don't scale, where they can send personalized messages, they can do spec work like what we talked about with Matt, they can also afford to answer questions one-on-one, -on -one. and the fact that they don't need a lot of clients and the clients that they do have will be worth a lot over the course of that relationship. They can do these unscalable things to attract clients. Another property of agencies is that the larger they get, they tend to become less profitable, where large agencies may do more revenue in terms of volume, but may actually have lower margins. When you're working with people, adding more people to a problem has diminishing returns compared to SaaS or marketplaces where they're just more efficient businesses and they have better economics. As a capital allocator, you may think twice before hiring more people to scale an agency because that capital may be able to be employed somewhere else more efficiently. We can also look at value-based pricing where there was a whole report on that. And one of my biggest takeaways was that, yes, it's true that agencies and freelancers aren't commodities, and that gives them more freedom to do value-based pricing compared to a space like retail, but they don't exist in vacuums either, and value is relative. So as clients are comparing one agency to another, they may choose to go with a less skilled agency that has drastically better prices. One exception or caveat to this is when you have one-way door projects compared to two-way door projects. And what I mean by this is that the stakes are high and the reversibility is low. So when the reversibility is low, we tend to pay more for certainty or perceived certainty because we don't want to mess it up. And while we're talking about perception, a reason that companies may choose to work with agencies compared to freelancers is around perceived legitimacy, where there's that quote that no one ever got fired for buying IBM. You could also say that no one ever got fired for hiring McKinsey. There's this place for brand name firms in job security and internal politics in terms of why a freelancer that may be capable of doing the job may not get the job and a larger brand name agency may be able to extract a rent based on that brand name. So let's talk about a few haters where the first hater says this business model sucks and agencies are far from perfect, but they may also be underestimated. Productized services are valuable and sellable businesses. Agency owners often find valuable problems to solve with digital products, SaaS and other business models. They may even take equity in clients. If you're interested in starting an agency, it doesn't have to be the last stop. A mistake that I see a lot of first-time entrepreneurs making is that they try to jump directly to marketplaces or another business model, and it's possible. It's just a lot harder to do without that foundation, those skills, domain expertise, relationships that you can build by starting an agency first. Another hater questions whether location-adjusted wages will ever go away. And they point out the time zone issue and also around culture. 
and premiums can and may continue to be captured around time zone preferences where if you're in the U.S. you may be willing to hire internationally but only from South America and other nearby time zones so that's real but there are also teams that are time zone agnostic like GitLab and on cultural understanding it depends on the type of work that's being done if you're writing copy cultural understanding matters a lot more than if you're writing code where there's this objective job to be done there I like to thank everyone who helped out with this report, including Matt from 8020, Rick from the Crag Angel Group, Jeremy from Spiffy, Vishal from Train Edge, Elam from Delvarize, Natwar from Engineering Brew, Simon from Code Swaps, Kimsia from Green Deploy, Paul from Music and Blockchain, Chakoti from Moonshot, Vincent from VH Digital, Lou from Agent Shield, Jose from Lexia, Serbai from Contenus, and Thomas from Tweet Hunter. This wraps it up for our report on agencies. I'm looking forward to your thoughts. Thanks for listening.